0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we'll look here in the 7th verse. Verse we all know, it says, For we walk by faith not by sight the new living bible says for we live by believing and not by seeing and so uh this this verse really has a even though it's just a few words in it just what is that uh Eight words here. It, it's a powerful verse. Has a, it really speaks of of our everyday life? How many know that the scriptures here, the things that we have here, the, the instruction we have from God's word is for our everyday life. And scripture says, "The just will live by faith." That we live by faith and not by sight. And and uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are out there pulling for us to live our lives by and to dictate what we do. And and you know, as believers, we're supposed to be different. Amen. I said, as believers, we're supposed to be different. Amen. That's good. <clears throat> Something right. We're supposed to be different. And uh, you know we live in a world that 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 uh, most people do live by what they see, but we've been called to live by 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 a higher a reality. Really, we've been invited invited to live in a higher way than that. You know, it's easy to live by what you see, but it takes something of substance to you to live by what you believe. Amen. So the Bible says, you know, the just will live by faith. What is faith? Obviously, faith is what we believe, and then what is sight? That's just what our senses tell us, and. And, you know, thank God for our senses and the things that we have uh, uh, to inform us, you know. And I'm, I'm grateful that, that God made us the way he did so in our stupidity and ignorance that we could still function. And, and uh, I know mean, if we didn't have our senses, we wouldn't make it very long at all. But, you know, there's also a, a limiting factor by living that way that causes us to li- causes us to, to live far below where God's called us to live. You know, really, if you think about the human beings, we, we're such unique people, such unique creations that he created us. In his own image and in his own likeness we're say this way we were created to be like him we're not God where we're not God's but he did make us out of the same substance and we are to do things the way he does things and how I many you know God is a faith God God doesn't live by what he sees he doesn't function by what he sees because if he did we'd all be in trouble right No, he's a faith God, and that's why he doesn't give up on us because the things he believes about us and the the gifts and the grace he's placed on the inside of us, he believes in those things so securely and so firmly, no matter where we're at or what's going on, he chooses to to rely on what he's placed in us and believe God. He believes that we will get a hold of this thing, amen? So he's a faith God, and and, and we're to be faith people. And so I want to look at this tonight, just uh, faith versus sight a little bit. Go with me over to uh, Genesis, the third chapter, and, uh, you know, this really has been one of the, the, the big issues for the human race from the very beginning, this, this issue of what we see and what we're looking at. And I believe this does apply to our everyday life. I believe this week you'll have opportunities if you're sensitive, if you're paying attention that, you know, we get in a habit of doing things. We get in habits of responding certain ways in certain situations, you know that, uh, uh, you know that that we kind of fall into certain traps. You know, there's I don't know the exact terminology, but there's this um, uh, I don't know the exact phrasing how it's worded, but like a functional atheism that that people have a tendency, even believers, to fall into that on an every day. Uh, Basis, we we can fall into a thing where we reject or aren't looking to Him. We're living as if He's not there, and we're living as if everything we see carries more weight than what the truth of God's Word says. And so, I know all of us uh, uh, have done this, and we'll have opportunities in the next week to really evaluate what we're living by. And the minute we start living by faith, and we're not dictated by what we see or circumstances. And so uh, I believe this is something that's important for us and will help us if we'll uh, be aware and trust in the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us in these things. And it'll cause some growth in our life. Amen. So here in Genesis chapter 3, of course, we have the uh, creation of, of, uh, of everything in the third chapter. You've got the example of the fall and temptation or the temptation and fall of man. And in verse three, we'll just start in verse three. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said to you, you shall not eat of every tree, tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the, uh, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fru- of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the servant said to the woman, you shall or will you, you will not surely die. You know, the enemy immediately wants to challenge the character of God. You know, he's still doing that today. He's challenging the character of God. And so that's why it's so important to get to know God for yourself, not through somebody else, not stories of somebody else. These stories, even in the Bible that we have these different accounts are for our inspiration and, and, and to motivate us to go after our own experiences and encounters with God. He was faithful to one, he'll be faithful to you. He so said, if he's been faithful to one, he'll be faithful to you. And uh, and so we want to have our own experiences. Well, the enemy tries to challenge uh, uh, God's character. And in verse 5, it says, for God knows on the day you'll eat it. Your eyes will be open. You'll be just like God, knowing good and evil. And it's interesting here, too, that the enemy uh, was saying that they were lacking in some area that they already had. You'll be like God when you partake. You'll be like God. They, she wasn't living aware of the fact she already was like God. She had another reality. She was already just like him. And what he's trying to sell her is an addition And, of course, it led to the fall of man. verse 6 says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed uh, sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Of course, we know that God came in the garden and uh, came looking for them, not that he didn't know where they were, but uh, I've always wondered, had they repented right there, where would we be today? Just said, Lord, that was really stupid, but they didn't do that. They hid. And, uh, you know, he tells us when we get ourselves into dumb situations, repent, right? Get it straight, get it correct immediately. But uh, it says here that, you know, the enemy came in the serpent and and began to talk to him. And when she saw that the tree was good for food and it was uh, pleasant for the eyes and desirable to make one wise, she ended up compromising. Of course, we know that human race didn't fall as a result of Eve. It fell as a result of Adam because Eve was deceived. Adam knew what he was doing. He did it willingly. She was just deceived. But deception comes when we are uh, motivated by the things that we see. That's why the scriptures say the just shall live by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight because what we see can be very deceiving in our lives, right? And this is one of mankind's oldest enemies. One of the things that we've got to be continually on the watch for and be looking out for, and uh, is our senses always talking to us, always speaking to us, always uh, uh, causing us to question what God has said? Amen. The Word always demands we walk by faith. Our senses always demand that we walk by sight. Go with me over to Romans eight chapter. We we'll just look at a few things here. Romans chapter eight. I believe there'll be a help. Uh, Romans the eighth verse. Steve got both of them there. He said, amen, that's good. I like that. He's got them all covered tonight. Now, Romans chapter 8. Are you there, Bonnie? All right, of course she's there. All right, all right just checking. Romans 8th chapter. Well, we read here in verse 6. It says, for, be, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Notice that our peace that we experience is tied to what kind of mind we have. What we allow to be consumed with our mind. To be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is peace. Now, how many believe God's word is true? How many believe what it says is absolutely right? How many believe that when he says something, he means what he says? And so it says be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That right there is enough to inspire us to to make sure that we're of the right mind. It's the difference between death and life and peace. It's tied up in the simple things, but it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. It's the simple things we do on a daily basis that affect how we live. And so to be carnally minded is death. We spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against or the Bible in basic English says opposed to God. Because the carnal mind is enmity or opposed to God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so we see here that to be consumed with a carnal mind that is, we'll look here in another scripture that defines this a little better, that it, it only, not only does it determine whether we experience life or death, peace or not, but also is a large factor of whether we please God or not. How I many you know that, that I've said it before that that ought to be our number one goal is to please God. That ought to be our number one in this life thing that we accomplish when it's all said and done of our life. Did we please God? And that's a question we all have to answer. Are we pleasing God? Well, if we're being carnally minded, then we know that we can't, we're not pleasing God. And if we're being spiritually minded, we know that we can, right? I'm gonna read this out of the Amplified. It says, now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be carnally minded? It's sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. That means that there is a role that the Holy Spirit wants to play in our everyday life where sense and reason wants to take over. The Holy Spirit has got something he wants to say and do. Says says, now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is dead. Death, uh, death that comprises of all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and peace, both now and forever. How you many know that this, this, uh, this mind of the Spirit, this walking by faith and not being moved by what we see, we're, we're, we need to learn how to do this. We've been doing this a long time, Right? Said so this uh, because the mind of the flesh, which is carnal thoughts and purpose, is hostile to God, for it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And so we can see here that, that uh, uh, where we allow our minds to go, what we allow to motivate us is everything. It's such an important thing what we're allowing to motivate, where our, what, what is directing our steps on a daily basis. Amen. Go to the First Corinthians chapter 1. Look at several verses. First Corinthians, the first, cha- first chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. There's a lot of places out there we can get understanding from. And what we choose will determine the course of our lives, right? Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll look at, um, uh, we'll start in, in, in verse 18, I guess. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Ever ever witness to somebody and they just think that's the craziest thing they've ever heard? Because they're trying to reason according to human terms. How many know it, it doesn't make sense? A lot of this doesn't make sense to the natural mind. It said it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer? Now, note in my Bible says, debater of this age. You know, I believe if, if Eve, whenever the, when the serpent came to her and began to question things, her first mistake was getting into a debate, Getting into a debate with it with the deceiver—that's not a good place to be in. So, it says, where is the uh, the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer, debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased uh, pleased God through the foolishness of the message we preach to say, save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign; Greeks seek after uh, wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness or the Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You know, this really comes down to a basic uh, uh, a value system that we have. What do we value more? What God says, whether it makes sense or not, or what other things tell us. And really, the only, only way to really answer that question honestly is to look at how we live. Because it's easy to say, yeah, we value God's word, but really, what do we know that by how we live. And we know by where we spend our time and the things we put our energy into and really what we allow to affect our footing and the things that we do in life. And so uh, uh, the, the wisdom of God is of more value than the wisdom of this world. But, you know, they are in contradiction. If we're going to be successful, we've got to know that the wisdom of this world, as wise as it sounds, is not really that wise. Now, I like science. I like to study various things, you know. And, and for as much as science has learned, thank God for the, for the things that we've learned. Human beings have come up with and things that we've discovered. And those things are wonderful. I was watching some uh, thing on YouTube the other day. It was... Um, Uh, it was a debate between, ever heard of the guy Ravi Zacharias? I think that's his name, Ravi Zacharias. He's an an Indian man who's born again, and he goes to different places, you know. uh, He was at Princeton, I think, this particular one I saw, and he was debating, you know, somebody. They're having a, a lecture, I guess, at a college campus, and and um, you know this guy was talking about you know the fact that with all the advancements and wisdom uh, of technology and understanding that human beings have made and in, in recent years especially in the last 20 30 years that really we're getting to the place where religion isn't really needed any longer actually it was a student who questioned him and said with all the things that we've learned you know that in, in recent time all the things we've learned really we don't need religion anymore because religion and even Christianity was something to explain what we couldn't explain well now that we did we can we don't need that anymore so how would you answer that. Of course, if you ever watched one of his videos, in the most polite, man, I wish I could talk like that guy. In mean, the most polite, articulate, intelligent way, he just complimented him. Thank you so much. I mean, all and then just completely annihilated the question. Just as, as it was absolutely the craziest thing, you know. If you ever watched one of his videos, they're pretty amazing. And so, but he was so nice about it. I thought, man, that guy's awesome. But anyway. Um, I just just thrown something at the guy. No, but anyway, uh, he just answered the question so perfectly. But really, that that is the mindset. As we learn more, it reduces the areas if we're not careful where we're looking to him, and it can reduce the things that we are looking to him and areas that we're going to. How I many know in every area of life there's wisdom on both sides? When it comes to our our families, our jobs, our lives, our you know all of these things, there's wisdom on all sides. Well, as things learn, when it comes to our health, it comes to uh, uh, planning for the future, all of these things. There's all of these options out there. And God's ways won't necessarily make sense, but they are the right ways. The Amplified of, of a section of this verse, I mean, it's 21 and 22, it says, for in the world with all its earthly, earthly wisdom failed to perceive and recognize and know God by means of its own philosophy. And, and no matter how we philosophize things, you're never gonna get to know God by reasoning. Now, I'll say this when, when your mind and your intellect and your reasoning is working in conjunction with the Bible, these things make total sense. Yeah. They make total sense, and, and it's almost, it, for me, it's kind of like one of those things, well, duh, obviously this is the way it works because it makes total sense, but when you remove God from the equation, true faith in Him, then, then you can't understand God by the, by the natural, the things we see around us. You just can't. And it says, the world, uh, uh, all of its earthly wisdom, failed to perceive and recognize and know God by means of its own philosophy. God in his wisdom was pleased through the foolishness of preaching. He's calling me a fool tonight, right? Uh, Salvation procured by Christ and to be had through him to save those who believe, who clung to and trusted in and relied on him. Heavenly, I when we cling to something, when we trust in something, when we rely on something, especially when it goes against Uh, uh, the tide of everything around us, that takes effort. That takes determination to do. We, we, we live in a time where there's an onslaught on these things and we've got to be determined to hang on to what we believe, right? So for while Jews demandingly ask for signs and, and miracles and Greeks pursue philosophy and wisdom. And so this means understanding uh, 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 knowledge. Man's knowledge which comes through uh, by what we can understand, reason with our senses does not know God, cannot know God. The scripture also agrees in 1 Corinthians 2.14 it says, but the, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness To him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. There's a lot of things about God and our our walk with him and things that we will never understand. It's not possible to grasp while we're here. It's just not possible to grasp. And and if we're not willing to or unable to trust him and walk by faith in various areas because they don't make sense to us, they're gonna limit our understanding and our experience. All of this that we do, the Word we have, the Scriptures we have, all of these things are to point us to having our own experience with God and to knowing Him intimately and personally. Adam and Eve in the garden, they knew God. They walked with Him. They experienced Him on a daily basis. Well, it's all to draw us in to know Him and to experience Him. And it's not going to happen naturally. It's going to come by accepting what God says and and letting God train the way we think. And some things we're never going to understand. I was thinking this afternoon, there's so many things that, that in Scripture that, that just are mind-bending to us, that if we try to relate to God or have Him prove Himself or explain Himself, in our understanding, it's never going to happen. You know, our uh, Scripture, I wrote this one down in First Timothy uh, chapter 1, it says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. And so our glory and our honor belongs to someone that, if we try to relate to him on human terms, we'll never be able to do that, because he's far beyond what we can even grasp. I mean, just the subject of eternity is too much for us to even understand. I was watching something, and I've, maybe I've forgotten some of the details. It was a couple of years ago. They had a, a news report on of a, of a young man. I think he was involved in an auto accident, and uh, he was in a coma. And uh, thinking about eternity right and he was in a coma and and the doctors tried to work on him and basically he was flatlined there was no brain activity going on and and they were uh, talking to the family one of the family to, to pull the plug you know take him off life support and and not leave him in the state well the mom uh, uh, fought and argued with him and I don't know how she financed this but she ended up getting her own hospital bed put in her house and and, and equipment that she needed and had him uh, taken to her home and and sat there well he was completely unresponsive nothing was happening, and she just wasn't willing to, to let him loose and turn him loose. Well, uh, you know, we think of eternity in terms of, of, of uh, it's hard for us to even picture what that even is. Well, this particular person, she didn't know what to do with him, and so she ended up putting him in a room, and she turned on SpongeBob, and SpongeBob reruns ran 24 hours a day for something like 12 straight years, and one day after 12 years, he just woke up. And he had been in a coma this whole time, and after 12 years, he woke up. And the thing he told his mom he said, I was awake and aware the entire time. And you'd pretty much hate SpongeBob, wouldn't you? I mean, you know, right? (laughs) But he said he heard every conversation. Every time she'd come into the room upset or, or, or kind of, you know, uh, uh, taken back about, you know, what do I do? Just the weight of this thing. Every SpongeBob rerun that could possibly go, he heard every bit. And for 12 years, he was alert. I mean, even know. being in that situation might seem like an eternity. Can you imagine that being you? And for 12 years, you're locked up. Uh, your body couldn't respond. He said, I could hear you. I could completely understand every conversation. He, would, he went back and described all of these things over the years that he heard that she said and other people said that came in that loved him and loved her and, and tried to convince her to just pull the plug. I mean, what are you doing? And he heard all of those things and, and just all of this stuff. Imagine being in that situation. That would be awful, wouldn't it? How many know that that, and that seems like forever to be in that situation? You would think that, man, that just seems like an eternity. How many know that's not even, doesn't even scratch eternity? I mean, our terms, we can't even think of things in terms of forever, but that's who he is. And, and all of these things about who God is and how he operates and how he does things, they're so far, far beyond what we do and how we, we can even think. But how many know we've been called to function like him and to live like him? And so there's certain things that while we're here, we're never going to completely understand. And if we limit God by what we can understand, how many know we're going to miss out? Think of God. He is and he was and is and is to come all at the same time. Explain that. I can't explain that. You can't explain that ever, but that's what the scriptures say as well, right? And so trying to understand life and and God, you know, obviously in terms of of this, uh, uh, in terms of what we see, we're going to be limited. We've been called to do more than that. In Jeremiah chapter 17, I'll let you turn there, Jeremiah the 17th chapter. We watched enough Spongebob in my house when my kids were little. I don't ever want to see another episode of that. I can't imagine 12 straight years of it. Jeremiah 17. Verse five, it says, "'Thus says the Lord, "'Cursed is the man who trusts in man "'and makes flesh his strength. "'Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Like I said, when I started tonight, this, this does apply to our everyday life. This, is, this has a great bearing on what we experience right here. Curse is the man who trusts in the trusts in man and, is, and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. That shows us that if that if we're trusting in our senses, that our heart is not close to the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see with the eye of faith when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. You can say it this way, that curses the man who trusts in his senses and makes what he can see, hear, feel, smell, and touch with his natural senses his strength. What he relies on. What are you relying on? What are the things that you're looking to? What are the things in your life you're looking at that you are you're gaining your motivation, your inspiration for that you're you're moving on and and going after in life? Well, if it's being directed solely by what you can see, how many know we're going to miss God? The verse is going to say in verse seven, it says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So that shows me that we'll miss, we, we, not only will we not miss out, we won't be anxious in the process. How many know that God doesn't want us being anxious in the process or unsteady in the process? You know, if we could learn to get a hold of this, there'd be a lot of drug companies that go out of business right here. You know, they answer to these things a lot of times. Now, thank God for medicine. They help us, right? When, when we're not making a connection we could be making, they help us get to that point, but we can become reliant upon them and not reliant on God. God wants us living free from these things. You know, I know today they say anxiety is at an all-time high in society. People deal with anxiety, and maybe you deal with anxiety. Listen, God wants you free from those things. And, and, and one of the problems I, that we see when these things get talked about so much, they make them sound normal. We should never accept these things as normal. Just because we see every other people dealing with it and we see all these other things and, and we hear all these other things, listen, they're not normal. They're not right for us, right? Now, we don't look down on somebody who's dealing with it. We've all dealt with probably this to one degree or another at various times in our life. But how you many know there is a higher standard? There's a higher calling, there's a higher place that we can reach for, right? And so uh, thinking these things are normal, well, that's just here to to hold us back. E.W. Kenyon said this. He says, as long as you listen to the reasoning derived from your senses, you will never believe the word. As long as you listen to the reasonings derived from your senses, you will never believe the word. You will never walk by faith. You will never see the triumph of faith in your life. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? As long as you listen to the reasonings derived from your senses, you will never believe the word, you'll never walk by faith, and you'll never see or experience the triumphs of faith in your life. That's such a true statement. As long as we listen to these things, we'll never have what God wants us to have. I tell you, what we're listening to is everything. The things that we're getting, things that we are gain, we 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 give the badge as having authority to speak in our life is everything. Listen, any failure you've got, any area where you can you can you have failure or you're not making the mark, you can almost always, probably all the time, narrow it back to some other type of information that you put too much weight in, that you gained access let have access to your life. What we listen to is so important. Where we allow our attention to go is so important. Thinking about different things here today, I looked at John chapter 11, Martha, Jesus, Martha, and Lazarus. You know, we, we, we can go over to John chapter 11. We'll look at it, just a couple of these verses here, John 11. And today, you know, as, as I was thinking about this, I, I something I hadn't really thought of before that, that really, I think... Um, it was, little, it was a little interesting to me, in uh, John chapter eleven. Of course, we know the story. Earlier in, the, in this chapter, uh, Lazarus was uh, had died, and and uh, Jesus was on his way there to go see them. Of course, when he when he shows up, uh, they're they're you know obviously upset, and and uh, where were if you had been here, you know you could have done something about it. And then verse thirty-eight, Jesus. Uh, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay against it. Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. See, when you're, we're walking by faith, it'll cause us to do things that others would never even consider doing. You know, I've often wondered, as a side note, I've often wondered how come uh, Jesus chose Peter to be the uh, leader of the, the church there in Jerusalem, you know, he had to kind of spearhead things. How come he chose Peter? Because Peter wasn't the smartest guy in the world. But there was something about Peter would do things that didn't make a lick of sense to anybody because he believed something. He believed something and he would do it regardless. You have, you know, when Jesus was raised from the dead and the, and, the, and the women came and told him, what did it say that Peter and John ran out to go see, right? John was faster. John got there first. What happened to John? He stayed on the outside. He stopped on the outside. He ran to the entrance and he stopped. Peter might not have been the fastest, but he was the boldest. See, you know, our success isn't, it, there's a lot of things we, we attribute success to that really have got nothing to do with success in the kingdom of God. Have you got to be faster, stronger, smarter? You know, that doesn't mean anything. Because I'm not saying Peter was dumb. I'm assuming he wasn't. He was probably a very smart businessman, had a, had a large fishing business. He probably was very gifted. But obviously he wasn't as fast as John. John beat him there, so John was speedy, right? And so he got there first, but there was something about John that he cared enough about other things that caused him not to go in, whereas Peter didn't even think about it, ran on in. I don't know how many times in my life I've missed out on something because I paused at the door. How many know a pause at the door is one step towards not going in at all? And if you don't have a good person running with you, you might not go inside and see your answer. Imagine John had he been by himself, he could have covered all of that distance, gone that whole time, right? According to because he believed something was happening. Yet the moment of reasoning set in, a moment of looking around at the circumstances and what what are things telling me? I'm at how many know if you're going to the tomb? It's a whole lot more real when you get to the tomb, right? I'm gonna go. We're gonna go check this out. It's a whole other deal when you actually come into the cemetery and you're running up to the tomb, and then you see that you see it there. Suddenly something caused him to stop. Is it possible we get so close to things, our answer, and we run right up to the door, but a moment we let some of their information get our attention. And all really all it is we're one step away, but a thought comes in of a, a recognition of things we're seeing and a split second decision to put our trust in that we miss out on what God has for us. I wonder how many times I've been so close to things and the last second I paused and it was just enough time for me, for the enemy to convince me not to move forward. I'll tell you this, you may not be that far away from the thing you've been believing God for. You may not be nearly as far as circumstances might be trying to tell you that you are. Some of you need to get a hold of that. I've been believing, whether it's it's a day or 20 years, whether you've been, everything you've been finding, you've been watching Spongebob for 12 12 years, whatever it is, right? Don't let reasoning get in and cause you to, the moment you stop, you quit quit proceeding towards your answer. Let's not not let things trip us up. Peter ran on in. Well, this story here of, of Jesus, he's at the tomb, you know, he said, uh, uh, he said, take away the stone. Of course, that didn't make any sense. Martha, sister of him who, who was dead, uh, dead, said to him, said to the Lord, said, Lord, by this time there is a stench for he has been dead four days. You know, today and I was reading this, I never really considered this. When I read those passages, when I, when I read her, what she said, well, you know, Lord, uh, 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 by this time there is a stench for he's been dead four days. I always thought that that was just, I don't know, I don't know exactly how to put it into words. Maybe she was just being dramatic. You know, some people are just dramatic about things. Maybe she was just being dramatic. But in this day and age, they knew how, t- how long it took for things to begin to happen. I don't know. I wasn't there. The scripture doesn't tell us. But I wouldn't be surprised at all when he rolled the stone away, there was a stench. You're talking about circumstances and your senses telling you something. Now, we've got something out by our air conditioner in our house. We, were, we, were, we had a couple of the, uh, teenagers over at the house, and, and we were washing, doing something, and, and there was a smell of something that was not alive any longer near our air conditioner. I've not found it yet, but I'm going to find it this week, right? And it was faint, but it's distinguishable, right? Imagine when that stone was rolled away. I've always read that as, well, surely there's a stench, and he, and he rolled away, and there wasn't a stench, because after all, Lazarus was being raised from the How do you know he wasn't raised from the dead yet? Up until this point, when the stone was rolled away, when, when they're waiting for Jesus to give the command, how many know nothing has happened yet? And he was dead before. At this point, he's still dead. And I'm sure I would be, I would not be surprised. There was an actual stench coming out of that tomb. Not about you. A lot of us would have been like, okay, it just got real. All right, it just got real right now. Okay, let's, let's roll it. Let's just crack it a little bit. I mean, you know, we try to make excuses. Give ourselves an out, right? He rolled it away. That didn't bother him at all. She said, surely there, there's a stitch, man if he's been dead four days. Jesus said, did I, said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? You would see something different than what you have seen. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I know that you always hear me, but because of these people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Of course, we know he raised Lazarus from the dead. Let me know that this, the senses and things, the way the natural course of thing goes, almost caused them to miss out on what only Jesus could do for them. And they'd have been just like everybody else, Hey, you know, there's no real comfort in being just like everybody else. Sometimes people think, oh, you know, we're like everybody else. That's all right. The same thing everybody else is experiencing. God doesn't want us experiencing what everybody else is experiencing. I believe that scripture, it says, come out and be separate. We're to look separate. live separate experience something that's separate and different. Amen. It's true. So of course, you know, that's tried to limit what Jesus could do. Of course, we have, you know, uh, this story in Luke chapter 5 of Peter fishing when Jesus calls the disciples. They were out fishing all day. And he was a professional fisherman. Now, I'm not a professional fisherman. I'll be honest. I'm not a good fisherman. Some of you guys are probably great at it. I bet John's an amazing fish whisperer. I'm not a fish whisperer, right? Uh, but Peter was a pro. He knew what he was doing. And he was out washing his nets. And Jesus came. And his long day was over. Jesus came, so let's cast out, out to the shore. When he was all sudden, and done, what did he say to him? Let down your nets. Do you think Peter had an opportunity to say, well, hold on, we've been doing this all day and there are no fish here. How many you know it was a lot of work to clean those nets. How many think he was thinking of that moment, the thought popped into his head, or he saw the nets, they were nice and clean and dry? Do you think he had a moment of thought, you know what, if I do this, I'm gonna have to do this work all over again. And he chose to believe something he chose to put his trust in something else other than what he saw. you know where we where we do what we do with these things is such an important thing in first King's uh, chapter I want to look at this first Kings chapter 17. First Kings the seventeenth chapter. this is interesting here uh, uh, what what is said. First King Ch- Kings 17 of course you know we've got the uh, uh, Elijah here is, is, is going along and in verse eight, Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Seraphath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. See that I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, was God mistaken? No, he, he commanded a widow there to provide for him that in the natural did not have the means to provide for him. The Lord may very well ask you to do something that looks like you don't have the means to do it. In fact, I would say a lot of times He doesn't do that, and oftentimes, oftentimes, He does do that, where He asks you to do something that's beyond your ability. Verse ten: So he rose and went to Zarephath When he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, "Bring me a little, a little cup, and a little water in a cup that I may drink." And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in, my, in your hand. He wanted a drink, then one last thing as she's on her way, bring me something else. Verse 12, so she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks and I may go and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. That's pretty dire circumstances, isn't it? I mean, this is a woman who's given up, and yet she's the one the Lord called to provide for Elijah. So that tells me that no matter where you are, where you find yourself at a moment, you still have an opportunity to make a decision that even though you may have given up and have come to the place where you're ready to let some things die, including yourself, that if there's still breath, you still got a decision to make to look to something else. And so she, he said, you know, he told her, he said, do not fear. Do not, fear. do not fear, 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 do not fear. I think that was the word of the Lord for her at that moment. Do not fear. Listen, what was the worst that happened to her? She's already planning on dying anyways. That tells you a lot of times we settle for things, but we're really not settling for things. If we boil it down, we just lost hope. But we still don't want that end. She didn't want this to be the thing. She didn't want it to happen. So he said, don't be afraid. Go and do as, as you have said and make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards, some, make some for yourself and your son. Thus says the Lord, your God of Israel, the ben of flour shall not be used up nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So when she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and and he and her household ate for many days, the beneflour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. Do you believe this actually happened? I absolutely believe this happened. Let me know that she could have let fear keep her from doing what the word of the Lord had told her to do she could have let fear stop her and she'd have had exactly what she was afraid of happening would have happened to her. See, natural wisdom, what we look at, it, there, it, there tends to be this, it seems like it's comforting. There's this almost comfort factor of knowing what's happening and, and, and being okay with it. God doesn't want us okay with things. People who, are, who, have, who have come to grips with certain things. Let's not, let's not come to grips with things. Let's not uh, become satisfied the way things are gonna be. Let's keep pushing forward, amen? He said, don't fear her, don't fear. And so she went and she obeyed and God moved on her behalf. You know, things that come across us can very much cause very real emotions in our life. Can cause very real emotions to rise up. Like I said, I don't know where you are, but, but just because there's fear there doesn't mean God doesn't have an answer for you. Just because things don't look good doesn't mean there's not an answer there for you. You know, things we see very much cause uh, uh, us to respond. I've told the story before of me going to, you know, to out by the by the. Uh, 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 the river, you know, the, the uh, Suwannee River, and, and the Big Shoals Park, and you know, I've been watching the story about the guy who got attacked by a mountain lion, like one of Josh's stories, you know, bears attacking him in the Yosemite National Forest, that kind of thing. If you haven't heard Bear, Josh's story, that's that's a great story, but uh, uh, you know, I'd watch this video of a mountain lion attacking this guy, you know, and, and so I'm walking along in the woods, and suddenly I hear rustling and noise, and, and I, my, what do I do? At first, I think it's a mountain lion chasing me, and long story short, I'm running as fast as I can through the woods, and there's nothing Nothing there. But just senses, things we see, what our attention goes to, right, can affect how we live and affect us from enjoying something. It wasn't life or death. There was no mountain lion there. But I did miss out on a pleasant experience at the Big Shoals Park. I mean, God wants you to have answers, but he also wants you to enjoy life. Come on, he wants you to enjoy your marriages. Marriage, not marriages, plural. He wants you to enjoy your marriage. Well, the fifth one's going to work. No, we want you to enjoy the first one, right? He wants you to enjoy where you work. Even in the times where there's rustling and it sounds like there's trouble, he wants you to enjoy it. (laughs) Marriages. We're a faith church. You'll get the third one right. No, we want you to enjoy this. He wants you to enjoy them. You know, there are a lot of things that speak up and try to get our attention. But we, we, we react to things. We, we react. I should have checked my heart that day and said, is there a problem here? I had the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, yet I ran. I mean, in the process of running, it was hard to hear the Holy Ghost as I was sprinting. <laughs> I'm going to start. I'll check on the way. No, you won't. You've already decided to yield to something. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll do this for now. And then I'll get with God on it later. You likely may not. It's not too often we stop and check ourselves. Most of the time we just keep right on running. In fact, I ran all the way back to the car. <laughs> and there was no mountain lion there. I used to tell the story of Stephen, you know, when I took him to, I told him I was going to tell a story. On him. he said, you do every time. When, I t- when he was 16, I took him to Disney World. And they had the alien encounter there, you know. And, 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 you remember the alien encounter ride? It was my favorite ride at Disney World. So they had this alien encounter, and, 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 uh, you know, they picked one person in the room to be their little help, and they picked one of us, I don't know who it was. And, and, of course, the alien shows up in the middle of the room, and then the alien gets out, and, and Steve is a very, he's a man of faith, he's bold, he's strong. And, and, you know, the, the whole thing is set up to convince you there's an alien in the room. How do you know there's not? But, you know, senses and what you see and the sounds you're hearing and, and the fact they've got the little uh, mister on the back of the seat that blows on your neck right at the right time, you know, when the alien's roaming around the room. This man was screaming at the top of his lungs <laughs> and hitting my leg so he thought as hard as he could, slapping my leg the entire time, screaming, Wah! Of course, when the ride was over, there was no alien, and the lights came on, and I was sitting on the other side of him. <laughs> and it was a total stranger. Ladies' eyes were about this big around. He just beat her legs senseless, you know. <laughs> we got up and ran out of there as fast as we could. It was awesome. <laughs> but he screamed, and he was just, you know, it was awesome. It was so much fun. But how do you know, these things affect us. How do you know that when fear tries to get a hold of us, doesn't mean something's real? When anxiety tries to get a hold of you, me, doesn't mean it's real. When somebody else tells their story, how it worked out for them and it wasn't great, doesn't mean it's, that's gonna happen to you. doesn't mean it's real in your life. I like to call things symptoms. It's a sign of something. It's not an actual thing. It's the sign of something. Don't buy the sign. Don't buy into the sign that there's substance to it. Right? The other screaming in the room didn't mean there was an alien in the room. I didn't scream, I knew better than that. I just laughed at Stephen. But anyway, but we let things get a hold of us. In 2 Corinthians chapter four, we're gonna wrap it up here. In 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter four. There's a choice that's here that's being made. In 2 Corinthians 4, 18, We'll look at, we'll start in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, everybody say light affliction. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This has got absolutely to do with what you choose to look at. Absolutely what you choose to look at. Absolutely what you choose to look at. No matter what the situation, what are you choosing to look at? You know, we've, we've, we've had people, you know, ministering, Lizzie ministered on a fence. Well, are you choosing to look at those things? Look at disappointments, whatever it is. What are you choosing to look at? Well, that choice is going to determine what you experience. What you don't have, what isn't working, what hasn't worked, or what God's word says? What are you gonna look at? What are you choosing to look at? Well, I don't see any answer. What what are you gonna choose to look at? See, a lot of times we like to make the wrong decision and then blame God for not being faithful. Point our fingers, well, you didn't do what you said. No, we didn't do what he said. He's always doing what he said. Our relationships, what are we choosing to look at? What are we choosing to focus on? Amplified says, Since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but to the things which are unseen. For the things that are visible are temporal, brief, and fleeting. But the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. I love that. Deathless and everlasting. The message says, For there, uh, There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we, we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see will last forever. I'm telling you, what we choose to look at is everything to do with what we experience. I just want to challenge you this evening to to focus on what God's Word says. You can't know what God's Word says if you don't get into God's Word. Listen, looking at the problem, looking at the circumstances, looking at how bad it looks, how bad it seems, how bad it sounds, hasn't helped you yet. Start looking at what God's Word says. doesn't mean that we say we deny those things and say they're not happening. But what are we choosing to focus on? What are we choosing to focus on? There could be problems in our marriages. There could be problems in our bodies, in our families. What are we choosing to focus on? Things that are fleeting or a thing that's eternal? I want to challenge you. What are you looking at? What are you looking to? Where is your attention in? I can, you can answer the question where it's been to this point by what you've done to this point. What you're looking at will determine the action that you take. What you're looking at will determine the action that you take. I'm ch- I'll challenge you to take a good, hard look at where your attention's going, whatever the area is. I know there's things you're facing, things you're dealing with. Take a, tell, take a self-evaluation, where is my attention going? And then make the adjustment that's necessary. The moment you start making that adjustment, you start putting your attention somewhere else, Action comes as a second-hand response to that. When you become focused on whatever the thing is you become focused on, that's what you start responding to, right? When you become focused on something, that's how you start talking, right? I mean, you know, football season's about to start, and so I'm excited about that. Every time I see Dan, I'm counting down the days to college football, and he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm, ah, we're getting close. And so you've got how many days? He doesn't know. He's not a true fan. We've got eight days, you know, and so Florida, we've got eight days. I'm looking forward to it. Why? I'm getting more focused on it. I'm thinking about it. But, you know, that's true in even, even areas of our life that are not good areas. You're going have a tinge here, a problem here. You start focusing on it. What are you going to start talking about it? What is, that's the first step in action. Get your attention fully focused on what God's word says. Get into God's word. Find out what he says about your situation. I'm telling you, if you'll do that, words will begin to follow that. The right things will start coming. There'll come a point where other you'll you'll get to the place where something wants to come out of your mouth. There's a temptation to say something, but because you're focusing in the right place, they'll they'll rise up on the inside of you. No, say this. That's the moment you start walking towards your answer. That's the moment you start walking towards your answer. The moment you make the decision, put your attention in the right place. You are victorious. Your body is healthy. Yeah, but I got this going on, and the doctor said this. So thank God for doctors, but the word says something else. Right? Well, my finances, I, I this, no, no, no. God shall supply all my needs. Start getting your attention on what God's word says. Doesn't mean we don't we, we don't budget. But we don't let we don't let budget budget out obeying God. A lot of people miss it in the area of finances because the budget said you can't tithe. All you just said was I can't trust God. That's the reality of that. And I can't experience God's blessing in my life. Whatever the area is, start looking at God's word, start moving His direction. Amen. Today God's got so much for us. He's got so much He wants to do in our lives. I'm going to read that scripture in Corinthians. I read it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to amplify it again. It says, For when the world, with all of its wisdom, earthly wisdom, failed to perceive and recognize and to know God by means of its philosophy, God in his wisdom was pleased through the foolishness of preaching, salvation procured by Christ, and to be had through him to those who believe, who cling to, trust in, and rely on him. Those who choose to cling to, trust in, and and rely on Him. i am tell you what, God's not done with us. He's not done with you. He's got the answers you need in your situation no matter what it is. He knows what you need. He knows right where you are. He knows how to get to you what you need to have. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.